welcome to Contemporary Service. We are so excited you're joining us for worship today. Come on in, grab a seat, and then stand back up. Because it's time to sing. We're so excited to worship with you all today. I hope you'll uh, you'll offer me a little extra grace this morning. I'm going to stay seated. Um, I had some surgery this week, so I'm going to I'm gonna do it from here. I'm going to rely on you guys for the energy today. And we'll all sing out to the Lord together. So let's go to God. And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time.
invite you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you.
Hey, we are Pastor Jill and Xavier. This week's reading comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. Thankful. We're thankful for the gift, gift of, scripture. of Scripture. Now, in order for him to do that, I had to bribe him with snacks and chocolate. Because <laughs> he does not want to sit still. So I want to share with you today that I am having a lot of struggle and challenge with my son, Xavier. I love that he was able to join me for the scripture, and, you know, like I said, he does not sit still. But he is going through some behavioral struggles, both at school and at home, and we are in the midst of trying to figure out how to help him. So if I'm being totally honest, a lot of days start out with this most feeling of dread that we'll get a call from either the school or the aftercare program that he's in that he needs to be picked up early because of his behavioral problems. A lot of times at home when he's with me, I have to try to field his energy into more positive activities so that he won't get out of control and kind of get into this spiral where he just can't regulate himself. And it feels like I never have the knowledge of what he's going to do. And that's really stressful, and it's affecting every part of my life and his dad's life as well. Now, that being said, there are times out of nowhere that he does something really amazing, and we're celebrating. There are times when out of nowhere he'll come up and give me a hug, and he'll say, Thank you, Mommy. I love you. It's in those moments that I remember that sometimes it's so easy to focus on all of that stress and all of those feelings of being overwhelmed that I forget to take a deep breath and practice gratitude. I forget to say thanks. And my mental and physical health is worse off for it. There was once a professor who gathered her students for class and surprised them with a pop quiz. Remember those days? Pop quizzes. The professor's instructions were amazingly simple. She says, I want you to write about what you see. The students turned over their papers to see nothing but a black dot in the corner of the page, just like that. Now, I want you to take a moment and think about what you would write about this assignment. If someone were to say, I want you to write about what you see, just take a moment to yourself. As you might imagine, the students were dumbfounded and confused, almost all pressed for clarification. What were the parameters? 
Was this a test of ability to apply the coursework to this exercise? How would they be graded? The professor simply sat and smiled, offering no further explanation other than the students would have an hour to write down what they saw. To the horror of the students in the class, the professor collected all of the exams and began reading them out loud to everyone. There were some major theoretical arguments postulated, a lot of rationales, along with a lot of whining and a few funny punchlines. Needless to say, there were a lot of students squirming in their seats wondering where this was all going. After reading all the musings, the professor made these observations. Everyone focused on the black dot. People obsessed about the size and location of this dot. No one wrote about the white space that was the rest of the paper. No one. She noted that we are all given a blank sheet in life, yet we always focus on the dark spots. <laughs> dark spots, of course, are very small compared to all of the other potential blank space available. The moral of the story, we get so focused on the dark spots, the small ones in our lives, that we forget about that whole blank page of hope opportunity and the blessings we are given. We forget to say thanks for all the rest of what is good and holy in our lives. We forget to say thanks to God who pours God's blessings upon us. Now I know that I'm not alone when I say it's all too easy to get caught up in what I like to call the negativity spiral. It's all too easy to focus in on that one black dot on the page of my life. Practicing gratitude is one way that we can get out of it. So we're going to take a look at the power of gratitude and how it can affect each of our lives. Healthier and an all-around better person? There's a way that is free, easy, and totally up to you. It's gratitude. Gratitude is much more than saying thanks. It's a way of seeing the world. And with practice, we can train ourselves to feel gratitude more frequently and powerfully. The scientific evidence is clear. Practicing gratitude is good for you and your loved ones. Grateful people get sick less, have healthier hearts, exercise more, get better sleep. Grateful people are more optimistic, overcome adversity better, find greater joy in life. Grateful people are more generous with their time and money are more forgiving and build better relationships with loved ones. Just like strengthening muscles, you can build gratitude simply by exercising it. So, how do you develop an attitude of gratitude? Take the first step now. Write a letter to someone you know and tell them why you are grateful for them. Or think about the blessings you may take for granted. Or start a gratitude journal at elementofgratitude.org and get serious about becoming more grateful. Thanks for watching. Wow, scientifically proven that gratitude makes us healthier people. That's pretty amazing. So when we make gratitude a central focus of our lives, our hearts, they become healthier physically, but they're also transformed and refocused in new ways.
And because we are a people of faith, we become mindful that when we practice gratitude and give to God just to say thanks for all that God first created and has given to us, that makes a difference. Gratitude to God is the fundamental scriptural reason and our motivation for giving of our time in worship, our talent in service, and the financial gifts that we have to support the ministry that God is building in our world. And this begins with examining our hearts. Are they grateful? Or are they bitter, angry, or resentful? It's too easy to look at our world right now and see nothing but hearts that are angry, that are bitter or resentful or even violent. And it's not meant to be this way. When we examine our hearts and begin to change them into grateful hearts, our entire outlook of life and the way that we live has the potential to change. When this happens, we are compelled to give something back out of our thankfulness. A colleague of mine, Dr. Kent Millard, former pastor of St. Luke's United Methodist Church, shares his experience of walking with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s march for voting rights in Selma, Alabama in 1965. On one occasion, they marched to the courthouse where an African-American was denied the right to vote. They stood on the steps while angry people shouted ugly words at them. An African-American pastor prayed for those shouting that God would turn their hearts of hate into hearts of love. Forty years later, Dr. Millard spoke to a group of Alabama pastors about his experiences in Selma. Afterwards, a pastor approached him and shared that he was in Selma at the same time, but was standing on the other side. This pastor confessed that he did and said awful things to people back then. Dr. Millard asked, well, what changed you? The response from the pastor was this, Jesus Christ, I got so filled with hatred that I couldn't stand myself. My wife invited me to a Methodist revival meeting, and I, I went forward, and I knelt at the altar, and I confessed my sins, and Christ came into my heart and replaced my hatred and bitterness with love. I decided to become a United Methodist minister and share God's unconditional love for all people. The prayer of that African-American pastor back in 1965 to turn hearts of hatred into hearts of love had been fulfilled in this man. The good news is that Jesus Christ can turn all of our hearts from hearts filled with hate, anger, or negativity, jealousy, or resentment, or bitterness into hearts filled with love, compassion, faith, and gratitude. Giving thanks begins with a heart filled with love and gratitude for God. Our scripture lesson for this morning gives us an example of what a heart of gratitude looks like. Jesus and his disciples are on the move somewhere between Galilee and Samaria, and Jesus enters a village, and ten lepers approach him, but they keep their distance. Because at the time when a person was diagnosed leprosy, they were cast out of their village where they lived. These ten individuals were probably sitting outside the city walls. They were cast out, isolated, ignored, 
separated from their families and sentenced to a life of begging for food and support, longing for warmth and touch, a safe space. Most people ignored them, but not Jesus. The text says that Jesus saw them. He really saw them. Perhaps he paused, looking intently at them with compassion, and heard their request for healing. Without laying a hand on them, Jesus simply says, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Because the priests alone at the time were the only ones who could really inspect them and make sure they had been healed, it could then return to a normal life. As they walked away, they were healed. Can you imagine the joy that these ten felt as they were cleansed from a disease that had taken everything they had treasured away from them? Their health, their happiness, their families, their community, all returned in an instant. And how did they respond to this gift of healing? There are many images of this. You can Google, find online. This one spoke to me because they're all running away in joy. And look at the one who returned to Jesus, the one. Nine returned to the village to show themselves to everyone and that life could return to normal. Families could be reunited and lives restored. But one, one of the nine, upon discovering that he had been healed, ran to Jesus. He praised God and fell on his knees and thanked Jesus for making him whole again. Luke points out that this man was a Samaritan, probably for the reason that Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jewish people in the days of Jesus. He would have been an outsider, not just because of his leprosy, but because of who he was, what he believed, what he practiced. Yet he was the only one who returned to thank Jesus for what he had done. This healed Samaritan is the model for what Christ calls all of us to do, to become aware of the ways that God has blessed us and healed us, to come to Christ and to fall on our knees to offer prayers of thanksgiving with grateful hearts for what God has done and is still doing for us. And where were the other nine? Jesus wonders, and so do we. Perhaps they were deep into the village at this point, showing everyone what had occurred, trying to get to the priests for that validation. They must have been overwhelmed with joy at their healing, but they failed to thank the healer. Now, if we're honest, we confess there are times when we are like those nine who did not return to give thanks for their gift of healing. We enjoy the gifts given to us. We often fail to come back to God to say thanks for these gifts. I have a friend who shares the story of his alcoholic father. There was only one bar in the small town of Faith, South Dakota, where they lived. And the bartender was also the sheriff. So he would sell alcohol to someone until they were drunk, and then they would arrest them for public intoxication. So round and round it went. My friend's dad was caught up in this system. But one night, the sheriff, instead of arresting him, took this father to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting where he was taken under their wing. As time went by, he was able to say to himself, 
I am powerless over alcohol. I have stopped drinking a thousand times, but I always go back. But he continued, believe there is a power that can save us from this addiction. I wish that was true. In that moment, walking across a prairie one day, he felt surrounded by a bright light and a divine presence. He fell to his knees and cried out, God, if you are real, save me because I cannot save myself. In that moment of surrender, this man felt God's presence come into his life and give him a feeling of peace unlike anything that he'd ever known. When he came back home, determined to stay sober, he said to his family, well, now we need to go to church. <laughs> My friend was 10 years old at the time and never set foot in a church building before. Why on earth were they going now? To give thanks to God for getting me sober was his father's response. There in that church, the family received acceptance and healing. They experienced Jesus Christ, and they kept going back. Just to say thanks is the reason we come to this place of worship and sing songs of praise to God. Just to say thanks is more than the words that we say, of course. It's the actions and reactions that follow. We leave this place and go out into the world. Just to say thanks is how we love and give. Because that cleansed Samaritan returned to Jesus just to say thanks, he experienced healing beyond what any other of his companions probably did. And I'm guessing that he paid it forward, don't you? Just to say thanks goes a long way. So I ask you this morning, for what do you need to just say thanks to God? Or who needs to hear those words in your life? And how will you say thanks for all that God does for you and for the persons that God sends into your life that make it whole and meaningful? When we give to God just to say thanks, we will start down a path of gratitude that leads us to joyful generosity. So may it be so for each one of us. Let us pray. Holy God, we come into this time of Thanksgiving. As we have the holiday on Thursday, we are setting our minds into ways that we are thankful. So may we pause in this moment to name the things in our hearts for which we just need to say thanks to you. We think of the times that we have felt whole and at peace because of your presence. We name the people in our lives who offer us love, forgiveness, and healing. We name the people who walk alongside of us and cheer us on. We name those who have taught us something. We name those who pray for us as we pray for them. 
And we are mindful of the ways that when we say thank you, that we are then able to pay it forward, to show gratitude to someone else. And today, God, we confess that we come to this place perhaps feeling a little overwhelmed. Perhaps life stresses are just getting in the way of finding thankfulness and joy. Perhaps we are parents or caregivers who are just feeling a little low today. Perhaps we are just feeling that we don't have enough time or energy. So we take a moment to simply pause and be in that peace that you offer. Fill us, Holy Spirit, that we will come into this new week ready to serve, ready to be, ready to know one another. We pray for our church, O oh God, that in this time of uncertainty in the midst of still a little bit of the pandemic, this time of rebuilding, that your spirit will be among us, that we will trust in you, that we will be your hands and feet as we continue to be the church that we are called to be. Lift at those in our community who are grieving today, those who will go without this holiday season, and those for whom this holiday season will be stressful and hard as compared to joyful. And we thank you, God, for the many gifts of our lives and the blessings that are poured upon us. And when we are tempted to focus on that one black dot on the paper, refocus our hearts that we may see the blank spaces of hope and joy and opportunity instead. Give us a new perspective that we will see the blessings the joys, the gifts that you pour out upon us. And we ask this and so much more in the name of Jesus, the healer, who teaches us to pray by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
giving, we are mindful of the many ways that our church blesses us and gives us gifts and the ways that we might give in return. So I invite you to take a moment and enjoy the stewardship video just to share a little bit about what we've been working on here at Noblesville First. Hi, I'm Allie Hall and I'm the Director of Family Ministries here at Noblesville First. I am over all things kids ministry. So I am birth through fifth grade. We have a lot of fun things going on and a lot of ways that you can plug into this ministry. We have our weekly programming, which is for birth through fifth grade. And we have individual small groups that meet throughout the new kids wing that you guys helped us pull together last summer. We do wonderful crafts and games and songs and we have a whole lot of fun in there. I'm sure you guys hear us giggling on Sunday mornings. We also have lots of events throughout the year that you are welcome to volunteer at, and sometimes we even need donations. Coming up soon, we have our respite night, and that is going to be our outreach event for special needs families. We also have major events like BBS and the Easter egg hunt, and lots of other great things throughout the year that you are welcome to plug into. I also want to take this opportunity to tell you about some of the amazing things happening in our student ministries, which is sixth grade through 12th grade programming. We have our D groups that meet weekly. We have a middle school D group for boys and a middle school D group for girls. And we also have lots of monthly events that the students go out and adventure around the city. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, our middle school girls went out to the pumpkin patch, and we're hoping to go out on some uh, fun winter activities pretty soon. We have a few events coming up, one of which is happening right after Hanging of the Greens, where the kids are all going to be here. We're going to play church tag, and we're going to play a lot of other games and have some pizza. It's going to be a ton of fun. Well, I'm excited. I don't know how close you've been following our family ministry.
weekly meetings we have, the ESL classes, the dinners on us, the, all of the ways that we are involved in the community. That is what makes it work for me. support us in, in ways that we can kind of plan on. That's why we do pledge cards. Um, you can find the pledge card online really easily. It just, it's, it's, a, it's a promise. It's not a, it's not a perfect pact. It's not something we're going to track you down over, but it does help us to plan for the next year of ministry and know how we can really expand our ministry to the community. So if you do have the opportunity to hop online and fill out a pledge card, we'd really appreciate it. And this, right now, we're going to move into a time of communion. And communion is such a wonderful opportunity to say thank you, as Will was talking about. It's a place where we can come and share a table that sometimes will feel undeserved, that sometimes will feel out of place, or that we shouldn't be there. And it doesn't matter those feelings where we don't know if we're allowed to be around these people. Christ always says thank you. He's always there at the table with a place set for us, ready to dine with us, to show us who we are and that we are loved. We, like those lepers, have the opportunity for the same meal. No, probably not from that busy. I don't know you, but maybe not from that busy. But from the things that get involved in our lives, the things that get in the way of us having a relationship with our God and Creator. Jesus creates a space at a table that we can come and join in communion in the midst of our suffering. Here in the Methodist Church, we believe in an open table, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to join communion with us. The only thing we ask is that you desire a deeper relationship with God. We have communion cups here on the altar. When the music starts playing, you, you're welcome to come up and, and grab a cup. You can take it back to your seat. You can take a moment in one of the kneeling benches and hand it to someone that you love or say a prayer to someone on behalf of someone. When you take the body and the
much for joining us this morning. We now invite you to go in the faith and the knowledge that if the only prayer you ever said was thank you, that would be enough. Go in peace. But don't go yet. The bags, baskets, and blessing ladies asked if we had a couple able-bodied people to get some of the baskets from Wesley Hall up into this closet over there. So if you are able-bodied and can carry a basket up the stairs, head over to Wesley Hall real quick and volunteer your services. Thank you so much. And now you can go in peace. <laughs> <laughs>